The book of Revelations, chapter 3, and verse 20, Jesus, he's talking. Revelations 3 and 20, Jesus talking. He says, behold, behold, man, there's some things in the Bible you just have to really pay attention to what he's trying to say to us. He's saying, behold, pay attention, pay attention. I stand at the door and knock. If any man, that's another one of those statements you got to pay attention to. If any man, there's no prerequisite to that. There's no qualification of that except you being a human being. That's it. If any man hear my voice and they open the door, I might come and hang out with them. No, he said, I will come into him and I will sup with him and he will sup with me to him that overcometh will I grant to sit with me in my throne even as I also overcame and am set down with my father in his throne he that hath an ear he that hath an ear let him hear what the spirit saith unto the churches to the people I pray you open your ears and hear what God's got to say to you today amen I'm, uh, I'm going to talk to you for a little bit on this topic. Hope, when Jesus comes knocking. <laughs> hope, when Jesus comes knocking, there's hope. Amen. When Jesus reaches into your life, there is hope. You may not see it right now, but there is hope because Jesus is hope. Well, amen. You guys maybe should have drank more coffee. I've been up since 4.30, so, amen. So what is hope? Hope is <clears throat> kind of a, we don't talk about it a lot. We don't talk about it. There's a, there's a, there's a verse in 1 Corinthians 13, 13, and it says, Now abideth faith, hope, charity, these three, but the greatest of these is charity, or love. So we talk a lot about love, and we talk a lot about faith, but we don't talk much about hope. We don't really ever dig into hope. Uh, we, we, look at, we look at love, and we look at faith, and we all talk about it, and we all preach about it. But what is hope? And, and, and I'm not talking about what the world sees as hope. There, there's many things that the world puts their hope in. People put hope in relationships. They put it in their spouse. They put it in their, their boyfriend or their girlfriend or even their family and their children. People put hope in people. They put hope in, in their bank account number or how well their portfolio is doing or how well the stock market's doing. People put hope in a bottle. They put hope in a syringe. They put hope in a foil. There's all kinds of stuff. That people put their hope in. But none of these last. None of these last because people will fail you. The stock market's going to crash. It'll happen again. Amen. And we know that the drugs and the alcohol are just a, a temporary fix. It never really fixes nothing. And usually brings more destruction and death than it does life. It's all fleeting hope. But you need to know today that there is a hope that lasts. <laughs> There's a hope that sustains and it brings life. A hope not only for you today, but also for your future. Because true hope is forward-facing. It's future-focused. It's, it strengthens you when you're battered by this world. It gives you the ability to continue when you find yourself being crushed. Hope gives you the ability to keep going when the world and everyone else says just give in. When people lose hope, that's when they give up on their marriage. When people lose hope, that's when parents give up on their children. Hopeless employees quit their jobs, and hopeless people give up on life. But someone that has just a little bit of hope will keep striving to make their marriage better. They'll keep loving their children and working on that relationship no matter how it looks. They'll, they'll get up another day, and they'll face that life one more day, and they'll keep going. Life may not be the best right now. It may not be exactly like they want it to be right now. But they keep pushing and they keep striving and they keep living because they have hope that it can and that it will get better. But many times even that glimmer of hope is crushed out of us. 
because we put our hope in the wrong place. We put our hope in our ability or the ability of someone else or something in this life. And when those things fail, which they often do, then our hope is diminished and we become discouraged rather than encouraged. We become hopeless instead of hopeful. And we focus on the situation or the circumstance that we find ourselves in right now, which makes it very hard to see where we can be. We get so wrapped up in what's going on in the moment and the struggle that we find ourselves in that we get so focused on it that the hope of the future is diminished in our lives. We see this, we see this in the account of Jesus and his disciples. Most of us know the story. Jesus has been brutally beaten by the Roman soldiers. He's been hung on Calvary's cross. Jesus takes his last breath and he proclaims it's finished. And he gives up the ghost. Never again will the blood of anyone or anything have to be shed to cover sins. The interaction between God and man are about to change for the rest of time. And there's a flurry of activity that occurs in both the natural and the spiritual realms. There's an earthquake that opens the tombs of people and they walk out. And then in the temple, the veil is torn. And if you don't know what that means, it's very significant because there was a, the holy of holies in the temple. And that place was set apart for God's presence. And only one man, the high priest, was able to enter into that presence one time a year. He had to go beyond that veil. That veil, it wasn't just a piece of cloth. I, I think it was a, like a three-inch piece of cloth that was strung all the way to the ceiling. But when Jesus gave up the ghost, that veil, it wasn't even ripped from the bottom up, but it was ripped from the top down because God removed that veil. No longer was his holy presence going to be available to just one person, one time a year, but it was going to be available to whosoever will. Amen. Jesus is removed from the cross and he's placed in a tomb. A massive stone's rolled in front of the tomb and guards are stationed to make sure that nobody uh, interrupts or inter opens the tomb. It's been a little over 24 hours since Jesus came into Jer to Jerusalem at the shouts and cheers of the people as they cried, Hosanna to the king, Hosanna to the king. Their, G, their hope in Jesus was so high. Their hope in this Messiah that was going to restore the kingdom of Israel back to its place of world prominence was there. He was there to fulfill those prophecies. Their hope was exploding. But now we see the disciples mourning, and they're in utter shock. Their hope died upon that cross. Can you imagine these guys, these, these men that had given up everything, they walked away from their life. They walked away from their livelihoods. They walked away from their fam. They walked away from everything to follow this Messiah for three and a half years. And now they're standing there and they're wondering and they're questioning what is to come. Many of them are so discouraged that they eventually go back to where they were when Jesus first found them. They go back to their past because their hope of the future has been shattered when their Messiah was laid in that tomb. And they forgot everything that Jesus had poured into them about the mission and who they were to be and what they were to do. So they go back to their comfort. They go back to fishing. Their hopelessness leads them back to where they were when, he, when hope first found them. Because hope will lead you out from where you are. But if you lose that hope, it's easy to just go back to where you were. It's easy to get back into that hopeless state. It's easy to go back to what's comfortable to you. But of course, I'm, I'm jumping ahead in the story a bit here. First, actually, Mary Magdalene and some of the other ladies wait till after the Sabbath, and then they go to the tomb with oils to anoint the body of Jesus. And as they approach, the Bible tells us what they find there. Luke 24 and 1 says, But on the first day of the week at early dawn, they went to the tomb, taking the spices they had prepared. And they found the stone rolled away from the tomb. But when they went in, they did not find the body of the Lord Jesus. While they were perplexed about this, behold, two men stood by them in dazzling apparel, two angels. And they were frightened, and they bowed their faces to the ground. The men said to them, why do you seek the living among the dead? He is not here, but he is risen. My God. 
That is one of the most hope-filled statements in the Bible. The angel tells them, he is not here. Why do you seek the living among the dead? Jesus is not dead. He is risen. He is alive. He's not held in this place of death. He overcame it, and he walked from this tomb. See, you can't find Jesus where the dead remain. You cannot find Jesus where death is because he does not hang out with dead things. And when he gets around dead things, he brings life from that death. Death itself couldn't even hold him. Death itself could not stop him. From that dead man's tomb, life came forth. He rose from that tomb as the resurrected Christ, as the risen Savior, as the one that overcame death and hell and the grave and all that he endured to the crucifixion and all that he endured to the cross was to bring you and I life, both in this life and the one to come. And I'm not talking about just any kind of life where we're just surviving, but I'm talking about an overcoming life by the power of the Holy Ghost, a life that shouts to the glory of God, a life that is a witness to how wonderful Jesus is, a life that brings hope to the hopeless, a life that brings joy to the joyless, a life that shines light into the darkness. That is why he endured the cross. That is why he went to the tomb. And that is why he rose again. To bring hope. To bring freedom. To bring deliverance and joy and peace and life to each and every one who would open the door. He wants that for you today. And he wants that for your family today. He wants to bring you life like you've never known it before. He wants to bring hope to you that will sustain you not only today, but it will sustain you tomorrow also. And maybe your life's all good. Maybe everything's going good. Maybe you have everything going for you and you don't have too much to worry about right now. You don't feel like you're anywhere near to a tomb. That's all right. Because Jesus said, I bring life. But I'm not just bringing life. I have even more abundant life for you. Amen. Not where you find yourself. Hallelujah. No matter where you find yourself, Jesus has more for you today. Things may be good, but Jesus says, I have even more for you. I got more for you. But for many today, maybe you find yourself at the other side of life. You feel the weight of the tomb. And you don't know from one day to the next if you're coming or going. Let me just assure you that Jesus, he rose from that grave to bring you direction in your life. He rose from that grave to bring hope to you. He brought to bring provision to you. Maybe you need a healing in your body. Maybe you need deliverance. It doesn't matter what you need. Jesus rose from that grave to provide it for you. And it is here for you today. You just have to reach out to him. He said, if you seek, you shall find. If you knock, the door will be open. My God, he's just sitting here waiting for you to reach out to him. He's just waiting for you to reach out to him. He did all that he did for you. He did all that he did for you. You're the one that flashed through his mind as he was suffering at the whip of that Roman soldier. You're the one sitting right here today that gave him the strength to endure to the end. You're the one that he saw when they drove those spikes into his hands and into his feet. You are the one that flashed in his eyes. Because it was his will that none should perish and that all should come to repentance. He said that all should come. So that lets me know that not all will come. But they should come. He told us what we should do and he leaves it up to us. He gave us his word and he told us what we need to do. He said you must be born again of the water and the spirit. You must be born again of the water and the Spirit. It says it over and over. There's not an option to that. If you want the freedom and the life and the hope that Jesus has for you, you must be born again of the water and the Spirit. That's the first step. Very first New Testament sermon ever preached. He said, repent. Die to yourself. Die to your will. Turn away from the life you're living and turn towards Jesus and start walking towards him. And be baptized, every one of you, in the name of Jesus Christ for the washing away of those sins. Amen. you got to be buried in Jesus' name. you got to go down in the water in Jesus' name. you got to be buried in a tomb just like he was. But just as he rose out of that grave as a resurrected Savior, he will bring you out of that tomb as a new man in Christ. And all things shall be made new. And he'll anoint you. And he'll 
put his spirit in you and he'll equip you with power from on high to walk and to be the witness that he wants you to be in this world. It's up to you. Jesus is saying it to all of us today. Behold, I stand at the door and I knock. He's asking you today, are you going to open the door? He's knocking on your door right now. He's asking, are you going to open the door? What do you want from God today? It's here. What do you need from God today? It's here. It doesn't matter. He's able. He's more than able. He knows even more than you can even begin to imagine. He knows everything in your life. He knows he has the answer before you even ask him for it. He's able. He's able. It's up to you what you do with it. Because he did his part. He went through the beating. He endured the cross and he took the keys from death and hell. He rolled the stone from in front of that tomb. He overcame sin and he rose so that you could walk in newness of life. He fulfilled his purpose when he rose so that he could fulfill his will in your life. And that's all about him. It's not about you. It's not about you. It's about him. It's not about how good you are. You don't deserve it. None of us. The only reason we deserve it is because he says we deserve it. That's it. I can't earn it. I can't do enough good things. I can't be the best person. No, that's not it. It don't matter. He reaches into the wretch, and he reaches into the, the tomb of somebody's life, and he pulls them out of that. He, he goes to the worst sinner you can think of, that his same grace and mercy is there for them like any of us. Amen. Hallelujah. It's not about me, and it's about him. It's about him. He did this for us because of who he is. And the only reason you deserve his grace and mercy is because he says so. That's it. When the hope of the world comes to your tomb and cries for you to come forth, you have two choices. You can do what he's telling you to do or you cannot do it. But the offer's here. Uh, he's knocking on your door. He's knocking on your door right now. He's knocking on every door of every person under the sound of my voice. He's calling to you. And today you can reach out and you can grab a hold of a hope that will set you free from that tomb. But not only that, this hope will sustain you today and every day until eternity. Amen. He can roll the stone away from the opening of your tomb and he can cause it to be removed. But then you have to be willing to come out from there. Not by your strength and your ability. Again, it's not about you. But by the power of the Holy Ghost, it's about Him. Because it's not about your ability, it's about His ability. So many people say, well, I, I just got all this stuff. I know I got stuff in my life and blah, blah, blah. And, I, I, you know, I'm not ready to make that step with God because I know that's not how God says, come to me. Then... He's going to wash you clean. And then he's going to equip you with the power to walk and be the man that he wants you to be in this world. Amen. Hallelujah. You don't get your life right to get Jesus. You get Jesus to get your life right. You need the power of the Holy Ghost working in your life. I don't believe for one second that it's God's will for people to come into contact with the saving power of the gospel and to remain the same. Jesus didn't go through all that he went through on the cross and in the grave so that you and I would continue to live our lives the way that we always have. And that's what we did. But that's what he did. He didn't do all of that so that you would have to continue to struggle with the same hurts and the same guilt and the same failures and the same fears, and the same struggles, and the same battles that you had when you came into contact with Jesus. That is not his will for your life. He came to set us free from the bondage of sin. He came to loose us from the weights and sin that so easily beset all of us. He didn't stay bound by the laws of the grave because he had a plan. <laughs> Amen. And his plan was my new life. And his plan was your new life. My God. And it is a hope that goes even beyond this life. His plan is to bring from death life for whosoever will. He had to raise up out of that grave in victory because he knew we needed him to do so. That he could pass that same victory to us. 
Because when you and I realize that he rose from my new life, that he rose for your new life, that gives us hope. Hope that says no matter if I even find myself in a tomb intended for dead things, that life can reach into that tomb and it can set me free and it can give me the ability to walk out. And what was meant to bury me in a dead man's tomb can actually lead to my new life. Because when Jesus knocks on the door of your tomb and he calls your name, if you answer that door, life has shown up. Hope has showed up. Not just a fleeting temporary hope, but hope himself. And he will come to you. And he will eat with you. And he will fellowship with you. And you will with him. And he who is hope will never leave you. And he who is hope will never forsake you. He will take your hopelessness and wrap you in himself. The one who is hope. And life will replace death. And Because when Jesus shows up, death has to flee. <sighs> death loses its power. Death loses its sting. And what was dead in you will come alive because he will make you a new creature in him and all things shall be new. Not just some things, all things. The struggles you face day in and day out, he'll take care of it. The hopelessness that tries to weigh down, God will give you hope in place of that. The darkness that weighs on your heart from maybe your past and the things you've experienced and the things you've done, God will erase that out of you and he'll let light shine into that. That's why he rose to give you new life. I want to look at another story real quick in the book of John. This is one of my favorite stories. I got a bunch of favorite stories. I always say that, right? This is one of my favorite stories. I've preached from this several times. John eleven thirty eight. 38. This is about Lazarus, if you know who he is. He was a friend of Jesus's. Says Jesus, therefore, again groaning in himself, cometh to the grave. There was a cave, and a stone stone lay upon it. Jesus said, "Take ye away the stone." Martha, the sister of him that was dead, said unto him, "Lord, by this time he stinks. He's been dead for four days." Jesus said unto her, "Said I not unto thee that if thou wouldest believe, thou shalt see the glory of God." Then they took away the stone from the place where the dead was laid, and Jesus lifted up his eyes, and he said, Father, I thank thee that thou hast heard me, and I knew that thou hearest me always, but because of the people which stand by, I said that they may believe that thou hast sent me. And when he had thus spoken, he cried with a loud voice, Lazarus! Come forth. And he that was dead came forth, bound hand and foot with grave clothes, and his face was bound about with a napkin. And Jesus said unto them, Loose him and let him go. Ha <laughs> ha. Everything in the natural said, We can't open that grave. This dude's been laying dead in a tomb for four days in the middle of a desert, decomposing. Everything in the natural said that grave should not be opened. It's going to stink. It's going to be gross in there. There's nothing in there worth going after. And they were right. And they were correct in their assumption. That body was dead. It was decomposing. It was not alive. It was hopeless. It was useless. There was nothing good in that tomb. And they were right in their assessment. And for some of you, that may just be where you find yourself today. The situations in your life are crushing you to death. Your hope for what could be is diminishing with each passing day. All you see is the hopelessness that you find yourself in. The things that used to help keep you going are now holding you captive in a tomb. The weight of the stone over the door of your life is suffocating you. The fight is being sucked out of you. You feel the pressure of the grave, clothes growing tighter and tighter around you. And you don't even see a hint of the light at the exit anymore. You recognize more death than you do life. And every time that you get a little breath of hope in your life, something comes and pulls that breath from your lungs. <sighs> We've got to see... We've got to understand that our God, He doesn't operate by the laws of this natural world the way we do. 
He operates in the supernatural power that says, come forth. And out of that grave where death is, life shall come forth. You need to understand that we serve a God that is not bound with what our natural eyes say. We serve a God that is not hindered by what we see and what we feel and what we know. Because he knows not only what is, but he knows the possibilities of what can be. God doesn't just see the here and now. He knows the end from the beginning. He doesn't just see where you're at, but he sees where you can be. He knows the situations you find yourself in right now. He sees all of your faults, and he sees all of your failures. But that is not his focus, because he sees all that you can be despite yourself. He sees all that you can be, not just who you are right now, because he is a God of hope, and he is hope. Praise God. Praise God. He's not bound by a doctor's diagnosis. He's not bound by your bank statement. He's not bound by your past or your present. He's not bound by what you think about the situation. He is the great I am that I am. He is the alpha and he is the omega. He is the beginning and the ending. He is the savior and the deliverer and he is life and he is hope and he is strength and he is resurrection power. He is the one that's come to give life. And not just life for you, but abundant life. Abundant life. I know that in the natural it may look bad. It may not look too good. But my understanding and my ability about what the world has to say about it may, it may all look hopeless. My situation may look more like a tomb for the dead than for the living. But when Jesus steps on the seed, all of my, my natural understanding, it doesn't matter anymore because God doesn't operate in that world. He has his own power and his own ability. He's able to move in what I see in the natural and do things in the supernatural. It doesn't matter anymore. Those people were right in their assessment of the situation at Lazarus' tomb. What they saw and perceived was correct. It was bad. He was dead. He did stink. It was nonsense to open that grave up. There's no reason for it. But Jesus doesn't play by all the same rules that we do. He doesn't operate the same way that we do. Because that what everyone else sees as dead, he sees as opportunity. What everyone else sees as hopeless, he sees as potential. And when Jesus steps up to the door of your tomb and he knocks... And everyone and everything is declaring your death. And everyone is declaring how bad it is. Even you yourself. And you're sitting there and you, I don't even know how I'm going to get out of this. I don't know what's going to go. How it's going to work out. I don't know how it's going to move on from here. I just feel like everything's falling in on me. But when Jesus shows up, he has the ability to cry out, Lazarus, come forth. Lazarus, Come forth, and what was dead will walk out of that tomb. My God, alive and transformed by the power of God. Your situation might look hopeless in the natural, but Jesus is here to give you hope. His whole purpose of coming here was to give you new life. And he's knocking at your door today. And he wants you to know, if you want a fellowship with him, and if you want him to fellowship with you, he's calling to you. He's calling to somebody today to step out of that tomb that you find yourself in. He's letting you know that what you may see is death, he sees his life. What you see is hopeless, he sees his hope. If you'll just answer the call. If you'll just be willing to open the door. And walk out of the tomb as he's calling you. And you will not be the same person. You were. That was laid in that tomb. You will become that new creature in Christ. Where all things become new. Loosed from your grave clothes and set free. And you will walk out of that tomb in life. It doesn't matter where you find yourself today. You may have failed over and over and over. You may feel like there is no hope. That there is nothing good in that tomb. But God said there is potential in there. That I'll that enough potential for a miracle to happen. All I need is a little bit of potential. And he can cry forth into that tomb you find yourself. And say come forth and live. Come forth and live. There's no disease he can't heal. There's no loss that he cannot recover. There's no soul that he cannot save. There's no sin that he cannot forgive. No heartache that he cannot make bearable. No family that he cannot put back together. No death that he cannot overcome. God is able. 
God is able. He's able to move in your hopelessness and give life-sustaining hope because he is hope. It doesn't matter where you find yourself today. We can take comfort in the fact that God cannot and God will not fail. God will never fail us. People will fail you. Your money will fail you. Things in this world will fail you. You'll even fail yourself. But God will never fail you when your life is a wreck and there seems to be nothing left to do. That is when God is able to do something great. When you have exhausted all of your abilities and your talents and your resources and all that you have and there's nothing left, that's when God's incredible potential shows up. He likes to work with our messes. He likes to work with our messes. Because that brings him glory. That's, that kicks the devil and the world in the face. That's what he wants for us, for our lives. And if God could do that for one, he'll do it for you. If God will do it for anybody, he'll do it for you. If God would reach into another's life, then he will reach into your life. And if he did it for Lazarus, he'll do it for you. Because God, God, he is still moving. He is the same God that you read about in the Bible today. Amen. And just as he poured out himself in that book, he pours out himself today. There's so many in this place, amen, that God has touched lives. He said, free. He's pulled us out of tombs and he's resurrected our lives and he's put life in us just as he did in them. Today he's still reaching into the tombs and he's reaching into the places of death and bringing forth life from them. He's still moving. God's still moving. He's still moving. And if you need him to move today, he's ready to move in your life. I'm going to kind of wind this down, or kind of not wind it down, but close it up. Nancy, I got got some people today, and I'm going to have them share a little bit of their testimony what God's done in their lives. Amen. Nancy, if you'd come. I was born in an Amish home. My father was an Amish minister. When I was very, very young, my father began to rape me. The continuous rapes caused me to hate my father intensely. The hate kept me from growing in my spiritual life. I did not want anything to do with a heavenly father who allowed my earthly father to hurt me so much. At the age of 14, I had my first suicide attempt, which was followed by many more throughout my life. At the age of 16, I became pregnant with my father's child. I was totally overwhelmed, what would I do with the baby? I never felt so alone and forsaken as during that time. At four months, I lost the baby. I was thankful for it, it was over, but the scars still remain. I became severely anorexic at the age of 25. I dropped down to 89 pounds. It was a long struggle between life and death, and death nearly won. For years, my spiritual life has been up and down. I carefully nursed wounds from my growing up years. My hatred for my parents grew. I joined the Mennonites in 1999. I asked them to rebaptize me, but they wouldn't. So when I went, when I was invited to New Life in 2020, I accepted and have been growing in my spiritual life ever since. I was rebaptized in the name of Jesus and received the Holy Ghost. And I have really repented from my sins. I have made a conscious decision to forgive my father and to pray for him. thus giving me a love for my father that I never knew. I have been totally amazed at what God, at how God accepts me and loves me. In Colossians 2, 13, 14, it says, God made you alive together with him when he forgave us. All our trespasses, erasing the record that stood against us with its legal demands. 
He set this aside, nailing it to the cross. Today I am living a, li a life for Christ. Life has become a joy to live for God and others. I used to hear people say their identity is in Jesus. I could not comprehend it. Now God has given me a new understanding. To me, it means that I am a child of God. I have been bought and paid for by the love of Jesus. He is, he is the perfect father and no one can take it away from me. My search for someone to love me just as I am has come true. Not only does Jesus love me unconditionally, but he himself is the love that I wanted so desperately. Hallelujah, praise the Lord. He has done great things, for I was dead and I'm now alive. life that the world would say would never be healed. They'd say you're always going to be scarred and you're always going to have to deal with this. But Jesus stepped into her life and pulled her out and made her a new person. And now she knows joy and she knows life. Oh, God. Oh, oh God. Start taking me to church when I was four. I grew up and uh, I was kind of raised in church, you know. But I hit a stage in life. I was probably 17, 18 years old. And I thought I was, I thought I was too cool for church. And uh, started messing around. started messing around with marijuana and I just thought it was cool, nothing to it and I understand now going more medical but for me it wasn't it was an intro drug for me and uh, I remember I started hanging with the wrong crowd and then I got, I just got caught up and I just went with the flow and my buddies were, were messing around with some crack, and I thought I, I thought I was cool. I thought, I thought I'd join in, not realizing my whole life uh, upbringing. I was the whole time I was just trying to earn everything from God. I just tried to earn it. And one, one day, under the power of God. I realized that I can't earn it. I can't earn it. This is just the grace of God. There's nothing I can do to earn this. Like, And God delivered me from that feeling cool. I don't care about feeling cool. I just want to connect to that hope. I just want to connect to his love, to his peace. My peace isn't good enough, but his peace overshadows every peace. His love overshadows every love. His grace overshadows every problem and every sin. And I'm so grateful for his hope today. It's not about you. so amazing. Uh, 
Holy Ghost. <laughs> well, pastor asked me to come up here, and initially I was like, well, glory to the Lamb. I was like, there's so many things God has done in my life, and I don't even know what to share. But I was thinking back that many of you, some of you may not know that I have not grown up in church. Um, not one family member. this weekend I think for a while I forgot where God has brought me from because when the pastor asked me I couldn't really really think of where I was from in the beginning to where I am now I feel like I've been so focused just with where I want to be and not really like God has brought me from so much no matter what goes on in my life that may not always be so good to me I just know that God has brought me from Some of you may not know that my mom was an alcoholic. I only lived with my mom. My mom was an alcoholic till I was age 11 and I'm 17 today. And it's so easy just to say my mom was an alcoholic. But when all you are is surrounded by abuse, that's all you ever see. All you ever see. And I can just so vividly remember certain things that, you know, just trauma just wants to try to come in the way sometimes in life. And... I remember one night laying in bed with my mom, even though that she was just not there at all, cognitively at all. I remember laying there because that was my mom and I loved her and I was just really, I just had very bad anxiety. And I remember laying there and I was looking at her and I said, what is my life? Am I ever going to see my mom be a real human being? Someone that is not always not there. I don't know if you know what alcoholism is, but it is a terrible, terrible thing. Any drug is horrific. It's terrible. It ruins that person so much, and it ruins the people around them. And I just remember laying there, and I just didn't ever see hope. I just thought this was all my life was ever going to be because this is all I ever saw. And I just remember when I was younger, this lady that used to come to this church, I would come with to Sunday school sometimes. I remember coming to Sunday school and just seeing joy that I've never saw before ever because I, I was never exposed to that. I just stayed home with an alcoholic mom and that's all I ever saw. And I remember just feeling a joy, but I still wasn't sure what this all was about. I didn't understand any of it. In 2015, 2015 was a really, really low, low time in my life. I ran away from home. No, no one really knows about this, but I ran away from home. And I don't even know where I was, but I was ready to be done. I was ready to be done. My mom, she was in a recovery stage. I wasn't living with my mom at the time. And I was scared. I was just so, so alone. And I was getting involved in so many of the wrong things. I always told myself I never want to be like my mom. I never want to be like her, but I was going that path at 11 years old. I got caught up with so many people. I didn't even know these people. Oh, Jesus. I just caught, caught up in the wrong things, and I didn't see light at the end of the tunnel at all. But I remember coming to a life group one night. It was God's at war. I just remember it so vividly. He was just talking about when you just you see these idols that you look towards. I, I, I was... I, I didn't even know what idols were. I didn't understand any of that. I didn't, I didn't even know what any of that even meant. But I just saw that we could be living. If we're not living for God, we're living for something. And I realized I didn't know who God was, and I didn't understand any of it. I, I didn't. I wasn't ever told anything. I didn't even know God was a thing. Didn't know anything at all. And I just remember feeling a love and a connection that I've never felt before in life groups and continuously coming around a lot more and I started every single week and going over to the Roberts house and just feeling a love that I've never felt before 
in a family that I've never felt before. And even throughout these years, no matter, even if my mom hasn't walked in this place yet, wanting to have her life changed, if she hasn't done that yet, I still know that God's good because I know everything that he's done for my life. This world tells me that I'm not supposed to be here. Statistics tell me that since my mother's an alcoholic and I don't have a father, I shouldn't be where I'm at today. I shouldn't. That's what the world's placed upon me. But I just know I'm not defined by what this world says. I'm only defined by Jesus. Oh, God. Hallelujah. God's still moving. God's still moving. God's still moving. He's moving. He's moving. Some of, some of you know me and you've known me for years. Some of you, a lot of you don't. You just, you just see me up here as pastor and all that. But this hasn't always been me. I used to be a different joker. I grew up in a crazy home. I grew up sitting, I can remember sitting down eating my mom's pot seeds when I was like five years old. I can remember them trying to hand me joints just because you're sitting in the circle. That's what they did. I was born in the 70s. My mom was like 16 when she had me. They were kids. They didn't know. All my uncles, they were all the same way. They just hung out and did their thing. That's the life I grew up in. I was smoking cigarettes and smoking weed by the time I was 10, drinking alcohol, started doing a bunch of acid, dealing drugs, all kinds of crazy stuff, all kinds of crazy stuff for years. I spent my whole life trying to cover up my hurt and my anger and my fear with things, drugs and relationships and even money. I, 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 I dealt drugs because I thought it made me cool, it made me somebody, right? I was, I was the type of guy that you weren't going to outdrink me and you weren't going to outsmoke me and you weren't going to snort more of this or that than I am. I'll pass out before that happens. That was my whole life. And, and I didn't know it, but I was searching for something. And we're all searching for something. And that something, I'll tell you, is Jesus Christ. You might try a lot of stuff, and the world says do this and do But what you're really looking for is Jesus, because he put a place in you just for him. I tried all kinds of stuff. I, the Nights in jail didn't fix it. Time in prison didn't fix it. Going to rehab centers didn't fix it. The relationships didn't fix it. The drugs didn't fix it. Nothing fixed it. I was even introduced to God. God, God led me to baptism. He, I got baptized in His name. I, I was filled with the Holy Ghost. I just didn't repent. I was still living for Chris while trying to live for God, and that just doesn't work because you can't serve two masters. And I messed everything up. All the people I loved, I pushed away. All the people that loved me, I pushed away. I hurt them. My family fell apart. Everything that I had was falling apart. My hope was gone. And I found myself in a tomb. And day by day, that tomb looked a little bit better than the life I was living. I remember a day when that God that I walked away from and that I'd been fighting for seven years, it had been seven years of me fighting and wrestling with him, of him pulling at me and me running away and him pulling at me. And some of you know, God, I would come into the church and I'd be in church for a month or two and things would be going good and I would just kind of go back to doing my thing. But then there came a day when everything was done. Everything I cared about was gone. I didn't, I didn't know if I was coming or going. I didn't know if I wanted to even wake up the next day. And I remember, uh, more clearly than anything probably in my life, sitting in that room. I was in my aunt's basement at the age of 31, divorced. 
not being the best dad to my father or dad to my kid at all. And in that, I remember sitting there, not really having any hope left in me. And I was always a pretty upbeat guy, even in all the chaos and the craziness of my life. I just had, I had a really good, who cares kind of attitude. I just kind of rolled with punches. That was my whole life. But I would say, I was tired of getting punched. And I didn't even know if it was worth it anymore. And I remember, God clearly said, remember me. This guy who had walked away from him and did everything to go against him and lived a life totally contrary, took his love and his grace and his mercy for granted. He still reached down to me and he said, remember me. I'm still here and I'm knocking at your door right now. And when you open that door, I'll call you forth. And I went to that God and I said, okay, God, I'm not going to hold the door shut anymore. I'm going to open it up, God. Whatever you ask of me, I'm going to do my best to do it. Wherever you lead me, I'm going to do my best to do it by your power. That was about 16 years ago. That was a whole life ago. When that Bible says you become a new creature in Christ, when I look back at my old life, it don't even seem real to me anymore. That person that I was, when I think about him, I'm like, what? That wasn't even, I know all, I could tell you story after story after story of the crazy things that happened in my life. But God brought me out of all that. And that was, that's not what God intended for me. This is what God intended for me. Hey, come on somebody. I was a backslid child of God. Amen. And he still called to me. I was a rebel against him. And he still called to me. And he turned my life around. And he turned my life around. I'm a pastor of a church, my God. Because it's not about me. It's about him. He's the one who's able. And he makes all things. My God, let's stand to our feet right now. I wonder. Uh, God brought you here with a purpose. It's not his will for you to be bound up in a tomb. It don't matter where you've been. It don't even matter where you are right now. It's what are you going to do next. Because God's got a plan for your life. When you were created in your mama's womb, he had a plan for your life. We get off of that plan and sometimes we've got to deal with the consequences of it. There's things you're going to have to face probably from your choices. But my God, he'll give you the strength to get through it. And he'll give you the hope to continue through it. If you let him, God's standing at your door right now. And he's knocking. And he's saying, here I am. If you want me, open the door and come to me. If you want me, I'll come in. And you can sup with me. And I'll sup with you. And we'll walk together. And we will get through all this craziness. Because I'm hope. And I can give you strength. And I can give you light in your darkness. I don't know what you need today. You might need a healing in your body. God's able. You might need deliverance from an addiction. God is able. He's able. You might be bound up by your past and the hurts in your heart and your failures and your shame and your guilt. But God said, that's not the tomb you're going to stay in. That's not the tomb you've got to stay in. I've come to give you life and more of your life. I don't know what you're waiting on. God, I encourage you to step out right now. Look, you ain't got to worry about what it's going to look like tomorrow. You ain't got to worry about how it's going to work and how it's all going to turn out. You let him worry about that. You just respond to it right now. He's calling on you. He's knocking on your door. Are you going to answer it? Are you going to answer it? He's calling to you. He's calling to you. He's calling to you. Every one of us.